Hi, everyone. I'm Dan Duva, radio play-by-play broadcaster for the Golden Knights. It's the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast, presented by the D-Hotel. SLGND back with an episode on the road in Edmonton with special guest Alex Tuck. After missing eight games to start the year, Alex has 20 points in 19 games since returning. He talks with us about the Knights' recent surge, skating alongside Max Pacioretty and Cody Eakin, and learning from a variety of teammates, including Paul Stastny this year. Boston College versus Boston University, little brother Luke Tuck, mustaches, and much more covered with Alex. We also sort through how the Knights have strung together a five-game win streak. Then there's a look around the NHL with big personnel decisions facing several organizations. And then the mailbag. It's SLGND, the Sheriff, Lawless, and Some Guy Named Dave podcast, presented by the D-Hotel. And now, here's Dave. Thank you so much, Dan Duva. Very kind of you. You're a nice fellow. I am Some Guy Named Dave, Dave Gosher, Shane Knighty, Gary Lawless, Dan Duva, the Sheriff, Lawless, Some Guy Named Dave podcast. I don't know. We have never been in a boardroom. We're in the Kavanaugh boardroom here at the... This is the whole reason we're in the line of work we're in, yes. so we never have to come we, into one of yes. these godforsaken places. <laughs> or nobody would have us. Hey? Like something like we that. never get invited. Imagine to what goes on meetings. in boardrooms. Like there's yeah. guys that are in ties and there's like power play and politics and terrible. Yeah, hot and cold buffet. Well yeah, that would be that. I wouldn't mind that. Yeah. yeah but exactly. we're at the Hotel McDonald in Edmonton on an off day in the Cavanaugh boardroom here for the podcast. It's nice. It's one of these old hotels. It's it's not a fancy new modern one, but I like the old-fashioned feel, especially with the holiday decorations. Yes. The Fairmont, a lot of the Fairmont hotels, a little Canadian history for you fellas. Shane will know this. The, the Canadian... See, I will or I, won't? I, I will. I would Canadian, Canadian Pacific, which was a, a great railway back in the day, they built a chain of hotels. So the Chateau Laurier in Ottawa, the Chateau Frontenac in yes. Quebec City. Beautiful place. The, it's called the Fairmont now in, um, in Winnipeg, but it was the Lombard, I believe, mm-hmm. at a time. The one you're in right now. Um, I, uh, I think it's the Chateau Lacombe in Calgary. These are... Uh, these were all great CP hotels. They were the grand hotels of Canada back in the day, and uh, Fairmont uh, bought them all up and rebranded them, and uh, they're about to spruce this one up. They're going to uh, do a, uh, a big renovation on this place uh, anytime soon. Well, there are some great old pictures, too, like even yeah. down at the basement level of like back to 1990. Well, the one in Banff, too. The Banff Springs Hotel was a CP hotel, too. That's probably the greatest of them all. Here's the one where the hotel's under construction. You know, it's this old, old limestone oh, with uh, yeah, steel frame. All yeah. I know is it has a good bar. <laughs> it does have a good little bar. <laughs> a little fireside chat in yeah. there. I've That's never been in there. Holding this. I've never been in no, there. No, I, I want to give, I, I was hoping we could give our listeners a little bit of a look in into our lives. And last night the game ends in uh, in Vancouver and it's a win. So uh, we're all in a pretty good mood as a result of that. It's uh, always better to travel after a win than a loss. We get on the plane and then we get on the bus and it's about uh, it's I don't know twenty five miles from uh, the yeah, airport to, uh, to to the hotel in downtown. So uh, Shane Knighty is very good at finding 
music for us. What do you? What do you? What is it on? Is it on your phone or do you yeah, have a speaker just, back uh, there? Apple Music. Yeah, 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 yeah. But just, it's a pretty good speaker. Well, it's great. Oh yeah, it's a Bose. Speaker. That's Bose. Yes. You know, you know, that's Bluetooth Bose. Powerful Dave uses, a, uses that exact so, thing for his home speaker when it's actually a travel <laughs> one. A change <laughs> strategy a is to find songs that Dave can sing well because Dave, Dave is well, uh, no, no, not that like, <laughs> easy. Sing well. How about songs, Dave? Knows you were raving last well, night saying that he had taken the level of the yeah. song and raised it. So, uh, anyways, we got on the we got on the bus last night, and uh, on our own usually, bus, by the way, the media bus. Yes, we're not, not on with the, the bus. It's the, com- be... the communications and content yes. bus. The comms. They don't want us. Bus. They don't need us on the. So other usually bus. it's Dave kind of singing alone. But last night, and it was it really. There's you know the movie Almost Famous, the the sort of the biopic of Cameron Crowe. Uh, he is great uh, movie. It, it, you know, there's that scene where the Elton John song comes on. Uh, song is it uh, is it. Tiny Dancer? Yes. It is, yeah. Comes on, and they're all on the bus, and they're all singing it together. Well, Shane dials up uh, John Cougar Mellencamp, or Mellencamp, or whatever. He, I, don't I know think what he was all three back then. He was, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, Small Town, which, you know, is a song. What's, is that an 84 release date? That was 85. 85, but okay, all right. Yep. Uh, and we all sang together on the bus, and it was actually quite a bit of fun. It was, uh, and the bus ride, which normally you think takes forever. It was quick. It's cold, it's... Late, you're tired, and there we are. We're all singing along on the bus. Good time. And, uh, I was glad was I, I let the whole song play for everyone. Yes, yeah. Like, Shane likes to. Shane, Shane gets tired <laughs> about two, a third, well, I want two you guys thirds to into guess the song. The song yeah. and Dave, like, Dave wins on. that handily. Gary <laughs> yeah. sometimes puts up a fight when I do the '80s. Name that tune and. Uh, but yeah, I, I played all the full songs last night. Good ride home, and yep. uh, yeah, my ears are, are back to normal. Today Change usually good singing. for like one verse, one chorus, and then he gets the ADD kicks in, and it's yep. another song. Now, before we move on, just give yeah. us the uh, d- just intru- just introduce the uh, you're you're a DJ in Bloomington, Indiana. Give us oh, uh, this is get- a John, John Cougar Mellencamp on a block party weekend. Here's Small Town kicking off ten in the row commercial free on ninety five five KLOS, the Rock of Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> I said Bloomington, Indiana. Oh, you went to uh, you went straight to LA. Uh, w- WBLM, the Rock of Bloomington. <laughs> Good stuff. Excellent work. All right. So let's, there you go. Let's get, let's yeah, get serious. Uh, so, all right. So you were saying, Gary, that, you know, team's coming off a win. Well, it's their fifth win in the row as we sit here right now. Ooh. Six out of seven. And a team, uh, we'll start with you, Shane, that, you know, l- let's face it, the first 20 games, it's, you know, win one, lose two, win two, lose three. And now they've been on their best run of the season and I guess the question I would throw to you is why how have they been able to do it well a couple of reasons in my opinion well obviously they're scoring goals let's be honest they're they're getting a little more puck luck but they're playing better as well usually that's a result of why you get puck luck is when you start playing more consistent hockey uh the common denominator uh what won five of their last six five in a row Nate Schmidt's been back <laughs> yeah really it's, you look at it he's been back in the lineup for six games and the other one is uh you look at the one loss it was uh, at a time when uh, they win one, lose one, uh, inconsistency. Uh, it, was a, it was a kick. It really was. It was a kick. It was a slap. It was whatever they needed at that time. And, and having been through it, those games, boy, it really, they force you to look in the mirror. They force you to look at yourself, to look at one another and say, hey, this is embarrassing. Uh, you get pissed off and you find a way. There's two ways you can handle it. You can spiral down or you can turn it around. And, and they handled it the right way. Uh, whether it's coaches, players, whatever, as a group, they handled the right way. They've turned it around and, you know, started in Arizona, then they came home, and, and we started to see a team play their structure, their identity that resembled last year. Uh, 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 until that point, 
you'd see bits and pieces of it, but now we're seeing that game back to where it should be. I think Gerard Gallant, if you if you look out there and you read any of the Coach of the Year uh, candidate polls, he won it last year. He's not any on any of those lists. I asked him the other day, quietly in the hallway. I said, "Has this been harder this year than it was last year?" And he, you know, he was like, "Well, it's different because you had to pull that team together, and you know, but everything went their way." And he's had major injuries. The schedule has been insane. They've played 11 at home, and tomorrow night or Saturday night when they play the Oilers, it'll be their 17th on the road. That's quite an imbalance this early in the year. This trip, three time zones. Right. Yep. Central Pacific Mountain. And, uh, you, you know, you, you have those injuries. I think that there was a little bit of mental fatigue early on where these, they, you know, they emotionally had the, the stakes of the games at the end of last year were so high. And then all of a sudden you're playing a regular uh, regular season game, a regular regular season game in October. And it's uh, there's not the same not the same kind of weight. And I think it took a while for the players to get engaged emotionally. But I just think Gallant has done a tremendous job, and and I'll include the whole staff. Um, and I want to talk to all of you about this. What is his strength? And it, you know, it. He has a pulse for the players. You know, the, after the after the loss and after the win in Chicago, they looked clearly looked tired. He canceled practice so that there was no practice in, in Vancouver. Now, maybe a player came to him and said, you know, we need a day off. But even if that is, the fact that the coach is willing to say, you're right. And uh, I, I, I think we'll start to see them bounce back physically as a result of that day off. Maybe more so in the Edmonton game than in the in the Vancouver game. But he just, you know, he, Shane said it the other day that, you know, it's he he's not – omnipresent he, he's not always there he's kind of he, he he doesn't overcoach I think and that might be a big part of his genius I'd love to hear what you guys have to say pick your spots right seems like he does yeah. you know for those of us that are obviously not in that room I mean I remember somebody said last year Gary he's got the ability to rule with an iron hand when he needs to mm-hmm. but also to be able to to pull back and create the distance when he needs to and I think that's a you know firm but yet have the ability and the read on his team I, I've got to believe in this day and age, especially Shane, it's not like it was, you know, back when you played or even go further back where if it's a grind every single day and the coach is on you every single day, then and you're struggling the way they were the first 20 games of the year that gets old. You know, by the time you hit American Thanksgiving, you're like, oh, my God, this is going to be a long season. So I, I think he's got that ability to Gary's point to read his team and to know when to pull back, when to maybe lean on them a little bit more and. Obviously, it's paid dividends last year and through our first rocky 20 games or so it was this year. I think he has a great strategy, whatever it is. And and, uh, you talk about coach, just like players in the game, it's evolved. Coaching's evolved. And, and, you know, when I played, it was, you know, communication's maybe the biggest difference now coaches have with players. When when, when I played, it was uh, communication was with the team. There was was one message. It wasn't individualized. It wasn't, uh, I need to handle this guy this way, this guy that way. It was, you're all getting handled the same way. The message would be for everyone. And and if you did get talked to one-on-one, it usually wasn't good. Uh, so, you know, now a coach needs to know it, it's different. The, the communication between his players, it's, it's individual knowing which guy needs to be handled this way. One guy maybe needs, you know, a pat in the back a little bit more. Another guy maybe needs, you know, this. Uh, he, he needs to, you know, 
get kicked a little bit more to get him going or they they need to know that about the players and they handle it in a different way I don't know if that's how Gerard Gallant works I think he's got a little bit more of the old school way but I think he leaves them alone enough and he tr- I think the big thing for him he puts a level of trust in his players mm-hmm. that they they take and respect so much from him uh, you know and he's not on them all the time but he does know when they need to hear about it, uh, but either than that, I think I think he's got a great staff that handles uh, you know that stuff that maybe does a little bit more of the communication. Um, he does when it's needed. You see him talk to certain players. Uh, I think more is on ice with him. I think you know behind those doors, uh, maybe not so much. Uh, but whatever it is, uh, he's done. It. And I agree with Gary. I think you know this season uh, he's coached this team extremely well through, uh, you know, what's what's tough to come off, uh, you know, when you have a season like they did last year, when you go to the Stanley Cup Finals, then, you know, you're dealing not only with a long season, uh, success, and then disappointment coming this year, injuries, uh, maybe a little bit of fatigue. Uh, no one will ever admit it, but uh, he, he's handled it really well, and he has, uh, he has the right recipe. I do think, and I asked you this, Gary, and Lawless in order, and I asked Shane in-game that night in Calgary. If you can My suffer, better. yeah. <laughs> if you can suffer from a Stanley Cup hangover and not win yeah. it, and I, to me, that's what I. The first twenty games, when they were most, you know, that the, one of the big phrases now is emotionally invested. There was nights they were really into it, and there was nights they were just they were not into it, for lack of a better way to put it. And right, wrong, or indifferent, I think that was part of it. You know, you said, Gary, how do you how do you really invest to a, in a game on a random Wednesday in October after you've just played for the Stanley Cup four months before? I, a, I think it's very difficult to do. You hear teams. I listened to your broadcast a few times. It was pretty clear that you were suffering oh, yeah. from that too. Yeah, the roll of stamps. Solid, <laughs> solid C effort tonight. Exactly. It's very. I think you know. You hear teams that win it talk about it all the time. You know, that's a little different because they partied all summer and they've they've. You know, they've actually been able to, to come through and win a Stanley Cup. But I think if you play all the time and lose, it can have just as dramatic. You know, it makes, it makes you hungrier, sure. But, and to me, that's what I saw the first 20 games. And I'm sure it had to drive Gerard Gallant and the coaching staff bananas the first 20 games. But do you snap every day? Boy, that's not going to work either. I mean, that would, that, that, you know, we want to talk about getting tuned out. That's the quickest way to do it. Yeah, you talk about uh, not just the, the, the quote-unquote hangover from having won and the celebration that takes place over the summer months, but whether you win or lose, you still play as many games as the team that wins it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that physical toll on the body at some point will catch up to you. And even, you know, look at the Pittsburgh Penguins. I mean, they win two in a row. Uh, you know, just thinking about some other franchises, you know, Tampa Bay Lightning, you know, they've gone quite far. The minor leaguers like the Tyler Johnsons and those guys, they had been getting to they got to two finals in a row in the American League before they got up to Tampa. And then they had the year where they missed the playoffs entirely. You know, so, and you know, we see what's happening with Pittsburgh right now. You know, they are below 500 type of club right now. So those things physically, even if it's not right off the bat at the beginning of the season, it seems to me that that physical grind um, maybe at some point catches up to the guys physically. But when you talk, Dave, about how coach handles that, because you can't just ream them whenever you don't like something, that gets so tired. And to me, what we've heard from several of the guys, in particular the younger guys, about Gerard Gallant, he's going to tell you what he thinks. And he's going to be straight, he's going to be direct, he's going to be stern. Sometimes he has a a bit of humor in there, but he's going to tell you what he thinks. But once he says it, 
he moves on. He doesn't dwell on it. Um, you know, we, we know that some coaches, whether past or present, will hold grudges. And they might not communicate your word, Shane. They're not going to interact with a player in a certain way to help them figure out the path towards what we expect from you. Gerard is direct, but he doesn't hold it against you. It's on to the next thing. It's on to the next thing. It's always about the next step. And I think that that has got to be refreshing for some guys, especially those if you've had a, um, you know, a, a, an old-fashioned type of coach who, who is going to hold a grudge, who is not going to communicate. I think that it's got to be refreshing for some of those young guys. Their ability now, too, so back to the question of how, why have they been able to, to get on this role. The first 20 games, how, how often they couldn't score. Yeah. Could not score. Now they score eight the other night in Chicago. They score six against San Jose. They scored four more. The most recent game against Vancouver. And you see somebody like Max Pacioretty, right, who's, you know. Scratch I, him. Yeah. <laughs> there were some that there floated are, out the idea. I that cannot maybe, believe that was even a thought. Maybe sit him out. That's, uh, for that's another whole topic. Astonishingly. Um, but to see somebody like him, Shane, we've, we've, you know, we saw him for all these years in Montreal where you know at some point. He's going to heat up, and right now he's as hot as anybody. I wanted to ask you about the goal he scored on the power play last night because, like, there's no space and there's no time. Like, how many guys in the NHL can score that goal? That's, it's all on release there, isn't it? Absolutely. Well, not, not only really – and here's the thing. So so Max Patrick comes in, and, and he's got one of the top shots in the league, and, and it's a different shot. You know, Patrick Lyonnais got a big release – He's probably the best shooter right now. Uh, Alexander Ovechkin's the big one-timer guy. Stamkos was like that, too, when he was scoring tons of goals. Uh, you know, they're pure shooters. Mm. Max Pacioretty's a snapshot guy. He, he, he's not, you're not, I don't know, have we seen him take a slap shot, really? No. You, you, you no. Think of the times. He doesn't need to because yeah. the way he, he releases the puck and it's off his stick in a hurry. He has the ability to get open. Find space, and if that puck is anywhere in you know a four-foot area, he can adjust his body and, and his wrists, and he's powerful. I think that's it. It's a quick release, but it's, it's a heavy shot. It too, is right? powerful. Yeah. And what pe- I didn't realize either, you, you know, you watch him, but until you see him every day, I didn't realize what a big, strong man he is. He is a powerful guy. He, he, he you can see it. He, he's in incredible shape. Uh, he's strong. He's big. Uh, he, he's got wrists that are, are solid, and, and that allows him to get that puck away in a hurry. And it's not only the release; it's it's the way it just takes off. It's heavy. That's a it's a great word, Gary. So uh, you know what? And and guys like this. Here's the thing. Even if you're an elite scorer, you're going to go through slumps. Well, These hey, guys Shane, find ways to score. You take James Neal and David Perron out of the lineup, and then Statsny gets hurt. Yeah. And Max is hurt for a little bit. Then he comes back. Oh, and, yeah. It's, and it's, everybody's like, everybody's in, you know, you can hear it. Oh, he's not scoring. Ne- where's Neal and Perron? Like, that that adds pressure to it. Oh, you're trying to pressure. figure out where you're putting your kids First time, school. First time you've ever had to make a change in New Jersey. Uh, it's happened before. So there's a lot of elements against them to begin the year. Uh, Looks pretty comfortable. But in an 82 game, even the guys that score go through slumps. Yeah. And now he scored eight and seven games. And just because you're slumping is not a reason. And hey, I get it. Fans are passionate, but uh, (laughs) you don't start. These guys don't lose that God-given ability, that elite shooting talent, just because they're slumping. You just got to be patient, and it's the toughest. Patience is the toughest thing to sell to any fan. Well, and the other part of it would be too, right? You think it's going to be him, Stastny, and Hollow. They're going to play together. Yeah, that just... has not happened for reasons we obviously know, right? So, 
Then it's then Tuck, Eakin, and how about that line? Like they, they've had. It's amazing how things can be discovered through yeah. a little bit of adversity. You know, we talk about duos all the time, but the duo on that line is the wingers. It's normally the centerman. Right. It's, it's, it's normally the centerman hey, and, and let, one of the wingers. I don't want to take away. Absolutely let's... not. But long term, don't you see Alex Tuck and Max Pacioretty playing together? Oh, absolutely. For years. Like they're really like do. they fit somehow. Yeah, and, and I think we saw it even in the preseason, and that's when you had several guys in and out of that because you're not going to have your day yep. one lineup throughout the preseason. We expected Stastny and Pacioretty would play together because they're veteran guys. They've been in the league a long time. They've known each other. They've played internationally together. And then who's your other top six forward? Well, it's Eric Howlett. But you had to move Eric Howlett to the wing because, well, Stastny's a bona fide top six center. Then, of course, we know about the injuries. But to me, I always wanted to see more of Tuck and Pacioretty together. And now, um, unfortunate because of the injury, but now you're going to see Tuck and Pacioretty. And it seems to me (laughs) that That's pretty much locked in now. To me, Tuck, I think uh, in, in... as much, and we'll hear from Alex uh, on the podcast here today talking about Max Pacioretty. I'm sure we'll ask him about it. But I think in the same way that Tuck is learning from Pacioretty, I think Pacioretty's getting something from Alex Tuck. I think there's some energy there. There's some assertiveness. And I think that what has defined Pacioretty along with his stretch of scoring of late, is he's more assertive. He's more in attack mode. He's more willing to bring that energy, especially, um, you know, right through the zone, right through center into the offensive zone. And I think that maybe that wasn't there as much in the first couple of weeks of the season. So the other piece of that line, not to be left out, did anybody have Cody Eakin scoring 10 goals by the end of November? Yeah. yeah. You know what? You watch his game, and maybe the best thing, and Gerard Gallant said this to us, it said he hasn't changed his game. He's still a 200-foot player. He plays both. You know, he's he's reliable. I think his big strength is obviously his skating and his compete. And, and he's really and, smart, and he's too. smart. I was just going to say. Yeah. Extremely smart. And, and, you know, what's interesting, Patrick, I think Gary said it was that David DeHarnay was maybe the best centerman he had in Montreal when he was running. Yep, sounds about right. <laughs> uh, so... <laughs> <laughs> Gary, sorry, he takes mental breaks, you, you, folks. You, you, I'm just reading a, reading a couple of questions yes. for the mailbag. Oh, okay, I apologize. David DeHarnay was maybe the best yes. centerman that yeah. Patch Reddy yeah. had. So Cody Eakin is a similar type player to DeHarnay. I believe he's a better all-around player. And I think that fits with Patch Reddy right now that, uh, you know, Cody Eakin's come in and, and he has – Cody Eakin has – everybody, when given opportunity, an elevated one, it's what you make the – make with it and I think he's he's certainly shown that he has an offensive upside uh, he's had a couple of down years uh, but boy has he looked really good and his style of play has fit with Patch Reddy because I think he, he's reliable he's smart and it fits with Tuck because he's fast you made the point Shane off the air the other night on one of oh our bus rides um, and it was um, right and everyone says the Carlson line is their top line yeah, that's yeah. fine but your point was well. Right now, if you look at if you look at the math, the Eakin Tuck Pacioretty line. Oh yeah, he's and a, that's a good, their top line, and that's a problem you want to have. I, right. I have no problem saying that maybe that they're the top line. Well, okay, I think you know it's one A one B. Sure, and, similar to last year, and it'll year. probably yeah. switch places all year Don't long. Don't you need that in today's Absolutely. NHL? Right? Sure. You know well, I mean? now you, you think about it. You look now. What does this do? Well, this increases the depth. You know, eventually, you know, if they get healthy, then you're talking about well maybe who's on your third line now and, and is that really a so you know and then the fourth line which we won't talk we've talked a lot about them Belmar, Carey and Reeves I 
fantastic what they've been, you know, look what they've been able to carry a, and raise five goals apiece. Right. Like, they're off to career starts. So yeah, it's, and it's, those are the top two guys in the league for hits, too. Yes. Right. And, you, you know, and you, it's easy to wonder, all right, where does everyone – and I, I hate to even play the game because by the time Paul Stastny comes back, who knows? Right. Yeah, know, it's tough. What their lineup's yeah. going to look like. But they've needed somebody like an Eakin to step up and fill some of that void because there is no Stastny, there is no Hollis. So they've needed other – Reeves with five, Carrier with five. You know, what's what comprising – we'll just call it the third line for the sake of argument right now. Ryan Carpenter's yet to score. Nosek has two. And Carr just scored his first one. Recently, so but that line, you've got to get since cars come back. I've been a couple of games, you know, much better as a threesome. That trio and Nosek moving to center, you know, that that was the other tweak to that line as well. And and he had a multi point game the other day in Chicago. He's only had two before in his Golden Knights career, and one of them was game one of the Stanley Cup final when he scored two. That's right. So that, along with Carr, who's uh, been in, you know, there were plenty of choices to bring up for the American League there. And Daniel Carr was leading the league when they brought him up and having played four years Montreal to start his career. But there's some intrigue there that um, wasn't just a week or two ago. It's amazing when you look at it, too, fellas. I mean, this was a team that was hovering next to last in the conference as recently as three weeks ago. And I'm staring at it right now. They're, they're a point out of first place in the Pacific, which is crazy. I mean, it's, it's, But they're it's, also a couple points going the from, other way. From being out of the playoffs. Actually, you know what? They're tied with Anaheim at 29 points right now. Anaheim is out of the playoffs just because of the regulation overtime. And they play, yeah, and yeah. They play the Oilers, who right. are right there as well. So. Right. So you mentioned it earlier, Gary, their schedule. I mean, and we're sitting here on the last day of November. So they're done with the month in terms of games. They played 15 games in 29 days. And all over the place. Trip East, the time zone's on this trip alone. So here's the important thing. So you look at the, the stand. This is where they need to stay in that pack. If they can yeah. stay afloat here. By the new year, I think when they hit January 1, I believe they've played, what's it, I think 25 of their 41. 41 road games. So that sets up for a really good Home favorable schedule. January and February, they're like, like they're barely on the think road. Think about that: twenty-five games in what October, November, December. That's three months. Yeah. And yeah. then you've got three and a half months coming up, where it, the schedule's in their favor. You had the point the other day too, Shane. And it's uh, look, we all look at it, at the American Thanksgiving thing. But uh, that could. Ch- I think that's started. That's starting to change with today's changing. NHL. If you're in, and you're, you know, what was it last year? Six teams made it that weren't. So, right. it, you know, that kind of went against the trend. And I think you're going to start to see that more and more, just because the parity in the NHL. It's you know you can't. If, you know if, you know if, I'm if a stats guy though, Gary. If a team if a team is <laughs> if a team is one point out of the playoffs, you know it, right. it's it it really kind of. It, gr- it grays that stat. Yeah. It can't be black and white. So uh, you're exactly right, Shane. Shootout wins, overtime yeah. losses, shootout losses. You Everybody gets points. Right, games in hand. Games in hand. You don't want to have to climb over four or five teams no. and make up eight no, points. No, no, there's certainly And they were doing that do. for a while. Yeah. I mean, I remember we talked – I think it was on one of the podcasts, Gary, maybe on Lawless and Order. You know, they had a lot of teams they had to jump over. Well, now they put in, they've thrown ten points on the board in the last five weeks. We said all along, they need – to win yeah, you're five in a row or six right. or seven or whatever. So, so let's take credit for this. Thank you very much. <laughs> you're welcome. Yeah. Well, we didn't do it. Well, we, just, we just pointed at yeah, point the obvious. It. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I'm sure we're not the only ones. <laughs> and teams figure things out too, right? I mean, who are the pretenders? It looked like Vancouver was off to a good start. Wow. Patterson was great. Besser was looking Still good. And then good. they went oh. winless for eight. You know, that brings you right back to the pack. 
And then the Golden Knights beat them uh, last time out. And time now for our guest of the day on the Sheriff Lawless Some Guy Named Dave podcast. And it's brought to you by Rock Creek Cattle Company, which is a hidden gem located in the heart of Montana. And this working cattle ranch sits on 28,000 acres of land and has a little something for everyone, including world-class golf, fly fishing, hunting, horseback riding, and lots more. Escape the bright lights and discover Big Sky Montana. Exclusive memberships and real estate opportunities are available now. Check it out at rockcreekcattlecompany.com. I'm not sure what he's up to now. Is it 20 points in 19 games for Alex Tuck? Am I close? Am I on the money? You know these you things, You got it, Dan. Dave. Uh, and on so, mark as usual. So when you get to 20 points, we say, well, we, we'd like to have you as the guest of the day. So, Alex Tuck, thanks for joining us here in Edmonton. Nothing else to do? Lose a bet? Or are you just nice enough to stop by? <laughs> just nice enough to stop Uh-oh. by. Thanks for having me, guys. No, you bet. What's um, So, five in a row for the team. We'll get to you know your, your game in a second. But what do you think has led to the success? What's been different now compared to maybe you know two, three weeks ago? Um. Just playing as a five-man unit all over the ice, I think. Uh, starts with, I think, uh, Flower. Uh, he's been unbelievable in net. Um, I thought our defensemen have really stepped up the game and uh, have really played well defensively uh, in front of them. And then um, I think our forward unit has been really good on the forecheck. Uh, but it, like I said, it's a five-man unit. Defense is own, forecheck, everything like that. And that's really what drives our team is that hard work, that, uh, I guess, willingness to buy in and, uh, it's really helped us win games. I was talking about this with Dave, and you mentioned five games in a row for the team now. And I kind of said sometimes in a season you need the bottom to fall out for everybody to kind of, whether there's a slap in the face, a kick in the back, or in the, in the ass if you want. Uh, probably that's more it. So the game against Calgary was the one for you guys. And, and, you know, I've been through it, Alex. I know how it is as a team. Is that really kind of maybe a moment you guys needed at that time? Because it was kind of back and forth, the inconsistency of the season. And, and since then, it seems like you guys really have rounded out your game. Yeah, no, I mean, it wasn't the uh, most fun game to be a part of. And no one wants to be on that end of the score sheet, I guess you can say. And um, ever since then, I guess we kind of, I guess you could say, turned it around. And uh, it, it, it was a rough game. It was uh, everyone had to look at themselves. And not only keep uh, themselves accountable, but we had to keep each other accountable. And uh, from there on out, I think every individual guy has played a lot better. You know, you think about what we thought might be different line combinations coming into this season. You know, Stasty comes in, Pacioretty comes in. But you get hurt. Last preseason game, you missed the first eight games. Stasty gets hurt three games in. Eric Howlett gets hurt. Now you've got a combination of line mates with Cody Eakin and Max Pacioretty. I don't think anybody had that exact combo penciled in. Was there a moment when you decided, hey, this is clicking, this is working, I like what we've got here? Uh, I mean, it's always been next man up mentality for our team. Um, I think we have a really deep team. I think uh, anyone can fill in any spot. And uh, I think we're getting production from every single line right now. And um, playing with Cody Eakin, Match Pass Ready has been really good. We found really good chemistry. And uh, we just want to go out there and work really hard. And um, we're just trying to support each other all over the ice. And it's worked out really well for us. Did it take a game, two, three? I mean, I, I was trying to think of a point in time myself. I'm not sure I could pinpoint one. That's why I ask you. Uh, not really sure. I haven't really thought about it too much. Just uh, I guess it just started. Um, we just started meshing together um, almost right away, I guess you could say. Have you, seen, have you seen anybody, Alex, with a release like Max Patch already? No. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's, it's <laughs> unbelievable. Well, none that I've played with. I, there, there are a couple guys in the league that have 
uh, some pretty good shots, but uh, his snapshots so lethal and, um, uh, and even his one timer in the slot there has been unbelievable too. And uh, he's he's a natural born shooter. Let's say that. You know, you watch him play in Montreal, and that's one thing. But now you're on a, on a line with him. Have you learned something about his game? Maybe you could not have known before he was on your team or on your line. Uh, yeah, little bits and pieces here and there. I mean, I've watched him and stuff like that. Um, he's, I mean, being an American-born player, he he was uh, he was someone I watched in the Olympics and stuff like that. But uh, being on his line has shown me how how hard he works every single day, uh, on and off the ice. I mean. He's uh, he's a workhorse, and in the games, uh, you can see how hard he works. He skates really hard. He's really strong on pucks. Um, it, it's phenomenal. It's uh, it, he's a really special player. Yeah, you man, you talk about somebody like Pat Ray. You looked up to another guy, and, and you talked about this when you were out, uh, when you were injured, sitting up top watching games, and not just watching, but sitting with Paul Stastny. Uh, and you said he kind of helped you to to see details of the game and. and how much has that maybe helped you uh, off to this terrific start for you? Uh, he's definitely one of the smartest hockey players I've uh, ever talked to. He he was phenomenal. I mean, he he would tell me stuff that I didn't notice watching the game up top, and we would talk about stuff. And uh, but he was very open. I would give him my opinion too, and sometimes he agreed, sometimes he disagreed, and uh, little bits and pieces. I think just uh, I I just try to take in as much as possible. Is that something, Alec, that you've done, you know, talking the game with teammates? You know, it's one thing to talk about it with, you know, guys when you're, you're coming up, uh, maybe in college, but then all of a sudden you're, you're playing alongside guys who are, you know, 10 years older than you. Is, is that something new for you? Yeah, no, it's, uh, it, it's huge. I mean, uh, last year it was um, James Neal um, going in the playoffs and late in the season and stuff when we started playing together I learned a lot from him and uh, he really took me under his wing and uh, he taught me a lot uh, and then now it's uh, Pat Ratty and Stasny and um, even Eakin last year too I mean I played on his line a lot and I uh, learned a lot from him and, and learning even more now and all those guys I just try to take bits and pieces from each and every guy and um, obviously everyone's a lot different player but you know what you can always find something that they do really well that you might need to do better what was your frustration level early? You work all summer, right, to get ready, and then that happens last game of the preseason. Was it through the roof? Was it ridiculous? Well, oh, let's just say I was a little antsy to get back on the ice, <laughs> that's for sure. I mean, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a rough injury. It, it was um, uh, it, it was just really tough sitting out eight games, and honestly, I, I was just itching to get back as soon as possible. You went back home, uh, short off season, obviously, you went back home and worked on what? What did you want to bring this season different or better to your game? Uh, I mean, skill-wise, everything. Just you, you want to go back and you want to tone your skills and everything like that. But honestly, I want to work on consistency this year. I thought uh, if I was consistent, not only every game, but every shift and uh, trying to make a difference every shift, I thought I'd be a lot better hockey player. Does it make sense when you're, you know, Dave brings up a good point. Like, you go home after a, a a long season to get to the Stanley Cup final and as much success as you might have had earlier in your career there's nothing like success at the NHL level what was different about going home at the end of last season hockey non-hockey what was different uh not too much because we didn't win honestly um you know what is as much as it's a shorter off season I mean 
uh, you still you took a couple of weeks off and you went right back to work. Um, I guess you didn't get the four months that some guys got, but uh, you still put in the time. You still went to the gym five, six times a week on the ice, three, four times a week, and uh, you got ready for next season. And I guess uh, getting that little taste uh, definitely wasn't enough. It, it made me a lot hungrier. I got to ask, since we're in November, just to change uh, the subject here, who has the, I'm staring at you, you got the handlebars rocking right now. Uh, somebody said Carrier ha has the best mustache. Uh, who, who, in your opinion, maybe outside of you, I, I, you should vote for yourself, but, uh, and, and how, how quickly will you shave it once it's over? Uh, probably at 12.01 a.m. <laughs> uh, I think my mom's getting a little sick of looking at that, but... Uh, <laughs> Uh, I, yeah, Carrier's got an unbelievable mustache right now. It's 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 thick. It suits him it's, though. It do, it really does. <laughs> he looks identical to the guy from Goon. Oh, that's yeah, right. Yeah. That's it's, I it's never phenomenal. Uh, Le Lev Shriver, right? That's right. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's, yeah. I think you should keep it. Maybe you could. We could talk him into. You know what I mean? Talk him into keeping yeah, it? Yeah. Not you. I, Mrs. I think Tuck he might. Like I don't even think you need to talk him into it. I think he just <laughs> might keep it. I think he likes it, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Well, he yeah. scored again. He's got five That's goals. Right. He's rolling. You mentioned your mom. You know, your mom and dad, uh, big hockey parents, not only for you, but for your brother. And uh, how important have they been, I guess? Uh, like they, they seem to be all over the place. They're, you see them at a ton of, you know, your games, and I'm sure uh, your brother, who's who's climbing the ranks here and uh, getting set to go to college in a few years. How how, how important have they been for you? Uh, the most important, yeah. honestly. I mean, uh, they sacrificed so much for uh, my brother and I, and uh, that that does, that definitely doesn't go unnoticed with me. And um, like you said, they've been to a ton of games. I mean, the amount of support that I've gotten from them and uh, family and friends has been phenomenal. And uh, they do whatever it is in their power to help me out. Uh, they travel and watch me play, and uh, I think they're starting to enjoy it um, a little bit here. And um, it, it's been a lot of fun for all of us. And it must have been pretty cool for so many of your friends' family to be in Boston, uh, a city that you, you conquered to a degree. Uh, in college and then to go back there as an NHL or what was that like a couple weeks ago? Uh, besides losing, uh, it, it was nice. I, I like playing in the garden. It's it's uh, it's a fun too. atmosphere. It's uh, <laughs> not a bad building. No, it, it really isn't. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. I mean, I played in hockey's uh, championships and uh, bean pots. I had a little bit more success in the bean pot than the hockey's championship, but. Uh, you That's know, good to hear. Yeah, no, it's. Uh, I'm a big Boston College fan. The B. Oh, yeah, it's good sometimes. to know your younger brothers made the right choice and oh, heading to the yeah, other yeah, end yeah, of Commonwealth yeah, Avenue, yeah, yeah. Uh, Terrier. Dave no. Gosher, nonstop. <laughs> Anytime he can drop a BU uh, common, and he does, and and same with Dan Duva with Syracuse. Yes. So uh, at least yeah. you probably favor the Syracuse comment. Yeah, yeah, yeah Syracuse right. is nice, but yeah, no. Back to that be uh, bean pot comment. Uh, oh yeah, Dave, who yep. we beat in the bean pot my sophomore year? I can't remember. As long past. It yeah, was it. <laughs> when I was there, they yeah. won three out of four. I think four. it was one to yeah. nothing in overtime against Fluke. Lost to Harvard. My senior I think year. somebody sitting at this table had a big <laughs> hand in that game, and I don't think it was Dave. Gosher. No, I don't. I don't think I, I don't watched. Think so either. I don't think I watched. What's the update on the younger brother? Where's he now? And he, when's he going to BU? In all seriousness, is he a year away? Or uh, so two he's years two away? years away. Okay. Uh, so he's at the USNGP, the National Team Development Program, and that's the same program I went through. And uh, he's a U17, so it's his first year, and. Uh, he's doing really, really well so far, and uh, I think I saw 
don't know who it was, Bob McKenzie or someone like that. Not to put any pressure on him, but I think he was ranked seventh overall for the 2020 draft. So they did a little top 20, and um, I was, let's just say, I was really proud of the, about that. And uh, it, it was it was pretty cool. And to think that maybe he can uh, play in the, in the league with me someday is. Uh, it's an unbelievable feeling. You guys could be like the Kachucks or the Stalls, like first-round picks in the family. Yeah, there's so many brothers. It's crazy. Yeah, like, you know. Smiths. The Smiths. That's right. Too. For sure. Al, who's uh, who's going to be taller when Luke's done growing? I, I still think I'm going to be taller. I don't think he – I think he's a little thicker than – uh, I am uh, a little bit leaner too, though. I, was, I think I was a little chubbier when I was his age. <laughs> I mean, he has shot up the last few years. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see if he gets a six four. I think he'll probably be around six three. It's going to be close. It, it, it's going to be close, but it's something you can't uh, teach. I mean, we, we were talking earlier about your game, and it, you know, there's stuff you can learn from the Stastnys, the Pacioretties, the Neils. But you know, you can't teach size, and it, you know, it seems to me it's an interesting part of the game that not too many other guys on the Golden Knights can bring that that you do. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, it, I, I guess it's an asset um, that I have, and I try to use it as much as possible. I try to get those dirty areas. I try to be as, uh, play that big, strong game in the corners and in front of the net, and uh, uh, kind of got a penalty off it last night. But um, you know what? That's my that's my type of game. Is there a player in the league that uh, that you maybe look at with your size, that type of speed? I've at times just because I played with and covered uh, a guy like Blake Wheeler for so long and watched him round out his game. Is he a guy or is there another one that maybe you look to? Yeah, no, I, I think Blake Wheeler is one guy that I really look to. Um, he plays that big, strong, power forward game. He's fast. He's strong. He goes to the dirty areas. He's uh, he's a really smart hockey player. Um, I, I mean, not 100% like him, obviously, uh, but I just try to take bits and pieces from guys like that. Well, we appreciate it very much, Alex. We know you've got a lot better things to do than <laughs> sit around with us on an off day in Edmonton. Go so get some breakfast. Go get some breakfast. <laughs> Have a good practice. Good luck tomorrow night. Thank you very much. All right, Alex Tuck joining us from the Golden Knights, our guest of the day on Sheriff Lawless and some guy named Dave. Well, we thank Alex Tuck for his time here in Edmonton. Time now to take a look around the NHL, and it's brought to you by the Foley Food and Wine Society. Bill and Carol Foley have created their society to celebrate three of their greatest passions, world-class wines, exceptional cuisine, and outstanding destinations. And as a member of their society, you'll have access to their entire portfolio of properties around the globe. The Foley Food and Wine Society offers an exclusive opportunity to join like-minded individuals who seek to experience the finer things in life, and they look forward to hosting you during your next visit. The Sheriff Lawless, Some Guy Named Dave podcast, coming to you from Edmonton, an off-day podcast here from the Fairmont Hotel McDonald in Edmonton, the Golden Knights, wrapping up a three-game road trip against the Oilers tomorrow night. So the trip starts off as we kind of take a look around the league, guys. Um, Golden Knights go to Chicago. Uh, the Hawks were one of what's been four teams now that have made coaching changes in the NHL. And the Golden Knights go in there and win it 8-3, win it convincingly. I know they weren't crazy about the first period, understandably so, but at the end of the night, they win it 8-3. to what do you make, Lawman, of where the Hawks are at? Um, oh, boy. A team that, you know, had a little mini dynasty going, right? Three cups yep. in six mm -hmm. years, and now Joel Quenville gone, Jeremy Colleton in, and they're heading in the wrong direction. Yeah, well, Jeremy Colleton, I was at his pre-game skate 
press conference, Shane and I were there. He looked calm and confident <laughs> and did. poised. And, you know, I was kind of pretty impressed. And then I saw him after the game, and he was walking to his press conference, and he looked 10 years older. He was just haggard. Welcome to and being then, an NHL head coach. Yeah, and then they lost in uh, they lost in Winnipeg last night. They gave night. up six, so 14 in two yeah. games. Goal and after the game, they, uh, you know, he was asked about a couple of things, and someone said, well, because you're the new guy, can you can you go in there and raise the roof about effort? He goes, I'm not the new guy anymore. I'm not new anymore. I've been here long enough. This was unacceptable. So that chain to me, I thought Chicago quit against the Golden Knights uh, in uh, in the third period, and that was uh, I, I won't name names, but there were some guys that you the sort body of, language was bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just Patrick Kane looked to me to be like the only guy that was invested for that whole game. Actually, that line was good. Uh, they got the Dylan Strom with uh, yeah. Debrinket, but outside of that, you're right. There was not good body language, and uh, some of it coming from their veteran players. But uh, it's uh, yeah, he's got uh, Jeremy Colleton, and then he also announced that morning that uh, he, this is not a part-time position. He's got two more years after this year that he signed. Although that doesn't guarantee, but it's certainly showing uh, good faith from management and. Uh, he, he's got a long road ahead uh, they're, they're you know what Chicago's just uh, not in a good spot uh, I don't think he has great personnel uh, the defense of that team uh, they've got a couple of older goaltenders so uh, we'll see what happens in Chicago but uh, it's a tough league to win in I don't know how you fix it you know you've got Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane signed long term I don't mind that it's, uh, it's, it's the it's other uh, the Brent Keith. Seabrook one Seabrook. Uh, and Duncan, and Duncan Keith. Keith. Keith I mean Keith looks he's not bad but he's you know he's probably more a 3-4 now and Seabrook uh, is probably a a five six, but right now they're both playing one two, and and Brent Seabrook's making uh, what is he making, Gary? He's making more than Keith. Yeah, he's uh, right so just there. under just under seven million. Yeah, they signed him. Oh, good for him. Yeah, <laughs> they signed him. He's in the third year of eight years and fifty five million. Okay, so they've got That's five years to go on that. That's a good wage. Well, and the, like the they the got Keith, four years left on Keith. The, yeah, the Keith contract. What's the what's the? Cap? I think it's like f- uh, thirteen years, seventy two million. So yeah, what's but, that? but no, what's but the, the, it's, oh, it's, it's low. Yeah, descends. it descends. Yes. So the cap hit is one thing, and then the cash. Right this year, the cash is four and a half. Next year, it's three and a half, yeah. two and a half, one and a half. So, hello, Arizona. Team trying to get to the trying to get to the uh, trying to get to the floor. That this is uh, I wouldn't be surprised if St- Stan Bowman has been warming John Shake up to that idea for a while because they seem to be trade partners. Goaltending wise, yeah, they do seem to be trade partners. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah, you shake your head at you know the people we talked to in Chicago to, to trade Nicholas Jarmelson. Yeah. For for what? For Connor Murphy? Well, and, like, he just he's been in. What's the, the, he, it's been a really. He won three Stanley Cups, right? You know, and, and yeah, that's the question. I like to ask a lot of organizations: Would you take three Stanley Cups in six years for a little bit of pain afterwards? It yeah, did remind me, though. That's the whole thing, though. The pain, yeah. like you see this in football. Teams realize, okay, and they they they're not emotional about it. They just cut guys, they move on, and they bought them out, and then they draft and they rebuild. In hockey, there is always this this concept: maybe we can reload. I don't know if he can. And it's interesting. And, you know, we all remember going to the United Center before Kane and Tapes. You would go there, and it was a cavernous, empty, quiet building. 
I'm not saying it was back to that the other night, but a lot you know, of empty seats. It was a lot of empty seats, and it was real quiet. And I understand when your team's down three nothing in the first period, but the days of that building rocking when they won the cups, and you know, two years ago they didn't. Did they not have the best record in the league two years ago? They were right up there, and they get swept in the first round by Nashville, right. and that's kind of the you know if you're looking for a. A line in the sand of where it started to go the other way. They scored, what, three even strength goals in four games in the series? Um, but it was just – that's what I thought of the other night sitting and watching it as Shane entertained America on NBCSN. And I, <laughs> I was doing nothing was, wow, this isn't as bad as it was in 05, 06, into 07, but it's – they get a long ways to but go. But they have three Stanley Cups. And they have three Cups. Now, and, which and they didn't have point, then yeah. at that time and previously. So. any organization would – do pretty much anything to have no the run playoff have. series wins since they won the cup in 2015 and then you start to wonder okay how long vancouver canucks they've done nothing since yeah. they lost in the final in 2011 yeah. against boston you can look at some other teams who've gotten there whether they won or lost and then there's been this stretch of hardly doing anything i mean gosh ask the carolina hurricanes about that i mean since 2006 essentially now you know shane it's it's interesting to me Talking about reloading, what makes an organization better equipped to handle that while others seem to just fall into disarray? Uh, you know what? And it's hard. It's success, and you see it a lot. Teams are going to have success. But there's the other fact. you get teams that can't find it. Yeah. Uh, and I think we're about to meet that team, despite having – <laughs> How many times they win the lottery? Uh, you know, number one overall picks. They've got the best player in the world in Connor McGravey. As I'm kind of leading us into Edmonton, this is a team that, you know, coach after coach, management changes, uh, first round, first overall picks, uh, and just haven't been able to to move on. The Buffalo Sabers Th- this year finally, you know, they just got done winning ten in a row, but y- y- you talk about. This is long winters in Buffalo as it is. And you've got the Bills and the Sabres. The Bills haven't been good in forever, it seems. And the Sabres, but at least this year they've been able to turn it around. The other team that I'm looking at, guys, and what's going on in Philadelphia? Yikes. Yeah. What's going on in Philadelphia? Like I, I, Ron Hextall gone. Not sure if Dave Hextall is much longer for the position as head coach. Ron Hextall was there for four years. They were in cap hell when he arrived. He cleaned all that up. Look at the players he's drafted. He's got. They've got a ton of talent there. They're one or two players away from being, in particular, a, or a goaltender. You know, goaltender. and they've made the playoffs in two of his four years there. Like, I, I, I sorry, I don't know why they fired I, I Ron Hextall. And full transparency. Friend, known him a long time, think he's a smart guy. Uh, a lot of people were caught off guard by that, Gary. Yeah, including Ron. I just read, he, he just held a press conference about an hour ago, and we're doing this on, uh, this is Friday morning we're doing this? Friday. Yeah, and he's like, yeah. He goes, my conversation with Paul Homeward was 20 seconds. 20 seconds. Ron Hextall, like, in some ways, who's embodied the Flyers, you know, obviously you have the Broad Street Bullies, but the modern-day Flyers, you think of them, you think of Ron Hextall. For sure. 20 seconds. See they, ya. They've gone through five goaltenders. Sound familiar? Yeah. Five goaltenders. Well, and Ron Hextall didn't trade Sergei Bobrovsky, Paul Holmgren, the guy that fired Ron Hextall did. Just keep that. And, who, and who drafted Carter Hart? Ron Hextall. That's right. Yeah. That's going to be the next big yeah. goalie for them. Yeah, and, and then it gets into developing a goaltender. Is he ready now? Well, fans are in. De- they wanted the new goalie now. Bring him up. Bring him up. And that's not always the best. And thing. And I think honestly, Dan, like, and I, it'd be the. I think it'd be the worst possible thing 
to bring that kid up right now. Yeah. yeah. Throw him to the wolves. Um, and destroy and, him. And then what? You know, then you're, what's the point? And I, you know, I know, you know, playing them uh, a couple of times this year, that was the concern. Let him develop. Right. And it's not easy. You know, people aren't big on patience. In that city, they're certainly not big on patience. But I got to tell you, it's a better team, though, than what their their record is. You look at some of their high-end guys, Giroux, Couturier, Voracek, Simmons. I don't know if Konechny's as high-end as as other guys, but whatever. Provorov, Gostisbehere. Yeah. And they can't. Oh, but Van Riemsdyk comes Reemsdyk back. It's hurt. hurt. Yeah, I mean, like I, I'm with you, Dave. We got to see the Flyers twice early in the season. Never did I imagine that they'd be in a situation to change their general manager before Christmas. That didn't no. that didn't, didn't occur to me. But I do have to say, the other team that we haven't mentioned that's perhaps uh, having the the greatest struggle is the L.A. Kings. And they, I'm not surprised uh, by that one. I'm that, not. Right. That one I'm not surprised by. Uh, and boy, now the, the thing that is intriguing now, Ilya Kovalchuk's playing like three minutes a game. It's crazy. Oh, my gosh. Uh, as someone who grew up a Devils fan, I can't say I'm heartbroken about that one. We're there um, next Saturday. We'll see the Kings for the first time. They Similar. You know, talk about not being able to get out of your own way. Uh, they have been at the bottom of the West Pretty much all season long, right? Terrible start. Never got much better. Fire John Stevens. You know, they, they've – I'm not sure what they do. They were a slow team last year. Last year. They didn't get any quicker. I know they're trying to get quicker. They're, with some of their they're kind of doing players. what uh, Gary was talking about, or trying to regroup rather than just right. rebuild. Well, you've got – You've got a couple of. They've got, you've got a couple. Drew Doughty and you got Anze Kopitar. Yeah. And when Quick is healthy, he's so you're thinking, hey, our windows now. We gotta, we gotta, but three players is not a not a no. Stanley Cup champion. And then they bring in Kovalchuk, who's supposed to be another one. And yeah, well, now they're well now they're making. Uh, they're what are they playing them a night, Dan? Like he's been playing oh, like six, yeah. minutes, six minutes, yeah. six minutes or something. Yeah, well, so, now you, three, yeah. so now you've got Rob Blake's made all these moves. You've got <laughs> Willie Desjardins in on an interim fit, interim gig, and he's having a feud with the guy that you Kovalchuk who you brought in to help solve all of this. It is uh, uh, I saw this on Doctor Phil the other day. He has the he has the you watch Doctor Phil? Wait, 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 oh my! along. Talk about Barry. I did not know that. Doctor Phil. I stopped for a second because I thought of us. He's got this chart, and it a green is functional, and red is and red is dysfunctional. And it's he says to people, walk up and put an X on the chart where you think your family is, and these people walk up and they put the X. Is right on the far red I'd part be all of the over dial. The red. That's uh, so, yes. Gary. Where did, where did you put the SLG and D crew on your chart? Way red. <laughs> no, actually, we're uh, we're pretty functional. We we've all figured out what we're good at. No, nothing, uh, I, but I we, we've all out. figured out what our role is, and we as we stay in our lanes. How many? Um, so, speaking of the Kings, how many wins does Jonathan Quick have right now? Not many. Zero. <laughs> it's November thirtieth. Now, to his, you know, I, I say that it hurt. He's played five games. Yeah. Uh, Still. But they've got Jack Campbell has five wins. Calvin Peterson has four. Peter Budai, zip, and Jonathan Quick, zip. So, you know, a team that last year looked slow, looked old, getting beat by the Golden Knights. I know how tight a series it was, but still they didn't win a game. Yep. Um, and here they are this year, and they're at the bottom of the – they're at the bottom of the West um, again. So, um, William Nylander. So – we sit here right now, mountain time at 11.15 on November 30th. 
December 1st, 5 o'clock Eastern time, the deadline. He's either signed or he's not signed. If he's not signed, he's done for the season. Lawman, you know these things. Yeah, send it to our insider. You, you talk to people. This is Gary. Where's this he is, going? This is teed up for you. A, does he get signed? Or in, and B, does he stay in Toronto or does he move to uh, Vegas? Okay, so I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the last one we're not going to discuss because we're not going to get fined. And we're not going to get fired by George McPhee for tampering. I would imagine that um, uh, if you're William, Neal- William Nylander and you've waited this long, you wait till the last minute to see if uh, if Kyle Dubas will capitulate, right? I, you know, the, Chris Johnson, who seems to have from uh, from Sportsnet in Canada, has been all over the story. He says that uh, the the player is at six point nine, and the team is at around six point five, and that's on a on a six year deal. So it doesn't seem like a lot of money four hundred thousand bucks. You would think uh, you could bridge it, but Dubas is is is. There's a couple of things. He's got to do Marner and Matthews this summer as well. And their agents are watching to see how he's handling this. And, you know, whatever percentage of the cap that Nylander gets, they're going to look at it and say, well, I'm this much percent better than him. So, and that's what it comes down to, right? You've only got so much pie. Uh, I heard somebody say the other day that, that even if they do sign Nylander, and they'll be trading him. Like they're, it, this is going to be. His I don't. Thing. They can't keep him if they they're going to sign Marner and, yeah. and Matthews. So it's uh, it's a fascinating uh, situation. So now Dubas, he may be fighting for another GM because he, whatever contract he signs, it's probably going to need to be portable. So he's got to keep that AAV down so he can move it. Or you know, there's just so much involved. What's going to happen? Uh, I. I I have to think the player will sign because there's a lockout potentially coming up down the road. You know, like when's the opt out? It's it's September of 2019, right? So potentially there could be no hockey next year. And if you so you're gonna miss all of this year and you're gonna miss all of next year for a young player like that. You know, his agent Lewis Gross has to be giving him all of the possibilities, and that's got to be one of them. Like, Willie, if you don't sign. You got to go play in the KHL, and you might have to play in the KHL next year too. And for a guy who's a budding star in the National Hockey League, that is and not a Russian-born guy. That is not that's not palatable, is it, Shane? No, absolutely not. I don't want to go through another lockout though. Just I to thought say, it was twenty. I've been through enough of those. Nineteen or twenty. The I thought it was the following year. Myself. Okay, but either way, yeah. How does he not sign? It's missing two yeah. of three years. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No. He exactly. Made, he made eight. $132,000 in eight thirty two. Your, your buddy Pasternak said the other day, he's right. like, they were saying, you know, you, you signed for two less. He's like, I make six million. He's, yeah. I could be making a grand a month in, che- in Czech Republic. He Will, goes, I'm good. William Nealer yeah. is 22 years old. How do you not sign? If it's six, nine or six, seven or whatever the, you know, if you're within the ball, you're saying 400 grand, Gary. To us, that's a, that's a lot of money. Yeah. But I, if you're splitting that difference, it's not that much money. It comes down to a couple of things, and, and I do not know William Nylander personally. I, I've spoken to him, I think, twice, you know. And it's a personality thing, you know. It, 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 ego comes into it, and then it also comes down to advice you're getting from whether it's an agent, family, uh, you know, you see, we're just thinking about some other guys. His dad is very involved in well, this. And, it's, and, and another guy who comes to mind is Jonathan Drouin from yeah. a couple of years ago who had 
certain expectations with Tampa, then demanded a trade, didn't report, then he showed up, then they found a solution that was amicable, and then Steve Heisman traded him to Montreal anyhow. And it, it seems to me that when we're in uh, you know this world, we're looking at numbers, but those guys are in a room, and they're looking down at the next stall and thinking, I'm better than that guy, but he's making more money than me. You know, how much that grates on one guy more than another, I don't know. I'm sure that it does affect some guys. I don't know William Nylander to say how much it does. How much? I wonder how the, the comments from Brennan Shanahan earlier in this process where he said, you know, when I played Detroit, guys took less money for us to stick together. That, and that was in it doesn't non- happen anymore. Well, it was in a non. Did he leave out the offer sheet that he sent? Like, it was in a non-cap world. You yeah. know what I mean? It yeah. was like it's. I, I I don't I don't know if that helped the situation. No, you know? and, and that's the thing. It's 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 one thing for that to be a reality because I mentioned Steve Eiserman in Tampa. Look at the contracts that Stamkos and Hedman and yeah, Kucherov. Yeah, yeah. Those guys could have gotten more had they gone elsewhere. We thought Stamkos was going to go to Toronto, right? Crosby, to, and, Crosby and Malkin for sure. Team for and and that's a reality. But to yeah. state it publicly in that way, that's yeah. where you. You. Well, and they, and, and they haven't won a Stanley Cup, right? Right, exactly. You know I mean? this yeah. is, since the summer of love, '67. Yeah. <laughs> and I think in all this, guys, and we can make the argument with Nylander, but to me, he's going to sign in about a half an hour, so this is all, all gonna, be moved. This is all going to be dated, as Joey and friends would say. It's all moved. It's ex- it's um, expired. This is not this is not evergreen content. <laughs> um, you know, t- talking about guys that. You know, we know and love Patrice Bergeron in Boston. You know, I mean, the deal he signed with the Bruins, I mean, it's eight years, $55 million. He's worth more money than that. Like, he's one of the be- if he's not the best all-around player in the league, he's in the top three. But whether it's Bergeron, Nylander, pick somebody, any sport, at some point it comes down to how much is enough? Do I like where I work? Do I like who I work with? Do I like the city I live in? Do I like my surroundings? Can I cut it for $6.9 million a year? How much is enough? Yeah. And so far, and I know it's not that simple, but to a degree it is. Do I like my surroundings? Do I like who I work with? And can I get by on that wage? Did you read the quotes from Kasperi Kapanen, who's very tight with William Nylander? I mean, just to read his remarks, he sounds like a, a, a sad puppy who's lost his owner. Like, those two are very tight. Of course, they played against each other, Sweden and Finland. But now teammates, you see a a team that's really surging. You've got lots that you're going to miss out on. He's already missed out on if he's not part of that team. Uh, I'm I'm not often pro player in these situations because it's a game and they're they're paid to play it. But these guys have how many transactions? How many contracts did you sign? Oh, I'm a bad example. No, but how many contracts? <laughs> no, you're not. You're, you're a great example. How many contracts did you sign? I four or five? Four or five, yeah. That, that's it. You've got four or five transactions in, in the course of your career to make your hay. So, it, it, and it is your hay. Yep. So, if you want to fight for 400 grand a year, uh, I, uh, frankly, I find any, anyone else's opinion to be kind of kind of mute on the subject or or specious because no one's getting involved in in nope. my negotiations, you know what I mean? And but right now he's making zero dollars. Oh yeah, no, that makes sense. <laughs> I get that part. <laughs> and of it if he as doesn't well. get this done, yeah. he'll go to yeah. play in Europe or whatever. Yeah. But I and I just think there's also the makeup of a, of, a, of a player, right? You're competitive. Sure. So he's probably you know at some point in time the guy gets his back up and says, "You're trying to take advantage of me," and you're not going to do that. And you're trying to, you know, I think I'm better. Maybe he thinks he's a better player than Mitch Marner. And he doesn't want to make $6 million while Marner's making nine. 
There's all those factors. And and I'm with you, Gary. I, I, I think players, you know, should make as much as humanly possible. It's a small window. I think we all should. Right? I think we all should. You know? <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, I mean, let's throw everybody. Let, let's just throw everybody. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but for a lot of these guys, as much as you'd like to play pro for 15 years like Shane did, but, you know, it, it, it's – some guys are going to play three years. Some guys are going to play five years. Injuries are going to work their way into the into the mix. And uh, I, you know, I want guys to make as much as humanly possible. But at some point, you know, are you cutting off your own nose to spite your face? Like, all right, well, yeah, that that should be able to get it done. So, I would be very. Let's put it this way: Is there is it possible he just doesn't sign? Does that just is that feasible, Gary? No. Five o'clock Eastern tomorrow gets here and he just happen. says, "I'm good. Peace out." Won't happen. I don't see any way that that doesn't happen where he doesn't sign or he's not. It's a sign and trade. Do you see a, a scenario where he does not play this season at 22 years old? Because then it's a lot old? more than $400,000 you yes. miss out on. And it's a season in the prime of his career Yeah, where he just doesn't play. So um, Doesn't get him any closer to free agency. No. There's all those factors. Right? No, no. So, well, there's a good uh, – that's a pretty good look around the NHL. For our group, anyway. Uh, the Sheriff Lawless, Some Guy Named Dave podcast. Coming to you from the Hotel McDonald here in downtown Edmonton. An off-day podcast from Edmonton. It's the Golden Knights. Toronto Roll have won five in a row. Well, time now for our mailbag on the Sheriff Lawless, Some Guy Named Dave podcast. And it's brought to you by the great people at Finley Automotive Group, Lincoln, Acura, and Jaguar. Dan, uh, you've got literally hundreds of responses to uh, – we threw that out to the people. What would you like to hear about in the mailbag? And what do you get dialed up on the computer screen? Yeah, send us uh, tweets uh, for next one, too. Hashtag SLGND. And if you don't use the hashtag, I might not take your questions. There you go. Nah, that's what Gary that's said. very important. you got that to look forward to. <laughs> it's, like the, it's like the crabby teacher someday, eh? <laughs> Curmudgeon at large. Right. Don't do, if you didn't do write your, your, your story on every other line, I'm not going to Right, double spaced. That's the one, that was one of the ones. <laughs> <laughs> like, what difference is it? Making? Oh boy! Well, let's get to the questions. Uh, let's get first to uh, Jack Manning at hey, Jack. NHL Jack Manning. Thanks, Jack. And uh, Jack uses the hashtag. Thankfully, good job, Jack. Hashtag SLGND. Do you expect McPhee to make moves at the deadline, or has he already spent any future assets he's willing to part with? Gary, uh, he's got all his picks this year. Got a lot he's of got, assets. He's got. He's got surplus picks going forward. I think he's got, uh, you know, I think they're a little light in terms of uh, high skill forwards. So I think, you know, young forwards, young forwards. Yeah. I'm talking about prospects completely. So like Cody glass, you can't trade him. Right. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Obviously they moved down from Suzuki. Yeah. But you've got right on white cloud, Hague, Coglin and Branstrom, all in the American League right now. Maybe there's a piece uh, amongst that group that you could part with. You've got four goalies in the Canadian Hockey League right now that are uh, that are putting up putting up good numbers. So, um, yeah, definitely, you know, it, it's all situational. But if he thinks that he's uh, a forward away and um, and there's a guy available at that time, well, yeah, absolutely, George McPhee will, will be involved. Uh, last Without year, question. last <laughs> year acquiring Tatar from Detroit yeah. and Ryan Reeves yeah. from Pittsburgh. So those were the two moves that were made in the midst of last season. Uh, you know, and then th- those were to fill needs at the time, right? Yeah. I mean, you were looking for a third-line scoring guy in Tatar. You were hoping to find a physical replacement for Carrier, who was often injured on the fourth line. That was the two needs. Yep. And now this year, you've got Stastny down with a long-term injury. We don't know exactly when he might return. And Eric Howla, who it sounds like is going to be out just as long, if not longer, than Stastny. Yeah, if they got healthy, 
let's and just I'm not suggesting that Cody Eakin should come off the second line, but let's just say they did, and you put Statsny up there, and then you had Eakin with a combination of Nosek, Carr, Carpenter, um, you know, for for that third line, and you decided I'd like a little more punch on that line, you know, and I can get it for good price. Hey, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like one thing we've seen and and working and watching is George McPhee is always willing to make the team better. Yeah. He he will explore every avenue. The other thing too that really weighs in Vegas's favor right now is there really aren't any rentals for Vegas because anyone that George trades for, the guy, first thing the guy says to him after about a I week is, stay. "Can I have an extension?" <laughs> <laughs> I want to stay. Why wouldn't you? Right. So you know. Yeah, that's, I don't, uh, that really weighs in his favor. I can't imagine he'd be shy about I mean, he wasn't, no. you know, and it's funny. I mean, we all know the strategy last year in theory was they're not going to make the playoffs, move the UFAs. Well, that all, you know, you, you adjust it as the circumstances change. And, yeah, I think as Gary kind of laid out, they've got plenty of young capital, young talent, draft picks. In theory, do they, could they move somebody off the current roster? Sure. I think anything's on the table for a team that – Certainly, you know, because he's given he's also given them a reason like he did last year to to invest in him. Yeah. Know, to, to go out and make the team better. You know, who knows where they're going to be by the, by the trade with deadline the end of February. Is that what it is? Something like that. Um, but, you know, at least with their recent play over the last couple of weeks, they've they've taken a turn for the better. All right, George said about last year's team, this group has earned it. They've earned the opportunity to to be improved with a roster change. Well, Gary, you mentioned goalie prospects. Here's a question about goalies here and now. And this is from Nick Elefantis, at Coach Elefantis, who asks, what's the prescription for Subban? The two to three starts a month doesn't seem to be doing him any favors. And Shane, into the mind of a, of a player, uh, especially a young goaltender who's got a ton of talent, who had success with Vegas last year, he's not playing a whole lot. And when he's been in there, we know the last time he was in, Vegas gave up seven goals. Well, and, and really, it could have been a lot worse. They were down 5 nothing after the first. It could have been 10. Yeah. Uh, I thought, uh, you, know, you know, it's kind of unfair to, to, to give a real assessment on Subban this year just because you look at the, the games he's been in. And, yes, he hasn't played many games. He hasn't found that first one. We're talking Boston, Nashville, uh, you know, the game Pittsburgh. in Calgary, Pittsburgh, and then the game in Calgary. I don't think he's played a home game. At least no. started. He's going to have to play games. You need a backup, but welcome to the backup world. And I think part of that is, well, Marc-Andre Fleury's been – I know we hear Tuck's been their best player or at times Marshall, but Marc-Andre Fleury's been the best player. Leads the league in wins. For the Leads Vegas the Golden league Knights. in minutes. Leads He's been the their MVP. Yeah. yeah. And, and and the schedule, as tough as it's been, it's either than when Subban's been put in maybe for a little relief, you know, it's favored Fleury. Now that said, they have to judge. Marc-Andre Fleury needs breaks. He gets to a point, He's I think. He's on pace for 66 yeah, games Yeah, right which – you know, these days it's not that common. That's a lot. Not that common. You yeah. know, you know. I think I think sixty is a good number for him, um, but he he's going to need a break because he gets to the point, and you can see it in his play. I think he needs that game off. They have four back to backs coming up in yes. December. So there you go. Yeah. So and the next one is going to be with uh, L.A. on the road, and then Dallas the next day at home. And yeah. the last one he did was wasn't a true back to back. They played an afternoon yeah. and then an evening. So and both right. games without at home. travel, without right. travel. So that was unique. And, well, oh, by the way, he got shutouts in both of them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's got five shutouts. The team had five shutouts all total right. last year. Yeah, he's Oscar got five 
Stanska had one and Fleury yeah, had four. He's got five by the end of November. So, But no question about it. I mean, they're, last year, Subban had 13 wins. And, Gary, you kind of ran through this on a couple of different occasions. 45 points from goalies other than, other than Marc-Andre Fleury. Some of that was by right, they necessity. Had no yeah. But that, in that two-month period, he missed. And the difference was Subban, when he took the reins, he knew he was playing that day and the next game and yeah. the next game. And then when he went down, it was Oscar Dansk who played the next three games. And then when he went down, it was Max Legacy. So then those guys could go in, know they were playing the next game, and secondly, find some, some comfort level. All three of those guys were new to the National Hockey League. Now it takes a certain kind of mindset to handle that amount of time between games. And I've never attempted to do it, but imagine, you know, guys just as broadcasters, imagine if you were to call one game a month, just one. For the same pay? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> For the same $3 million a year, I'm in. I, I mean, I, it's I okay can't, to dream. I can't put myself into the mindset of a goaltender. I've never tried to do it. I can't imagine that it's uh, that it's very easy. Well, reps, right. And yeah. Shane, you could, you, know, you could speak to this. I, I've heard other people say that you know if if you're if you're lack of a better description if you're brad hunt and you're in the lineup here and there do practices become your games and do you try and be as competitive and try to replicate game situations as much as you can when you're not playing on a regular basis absolutely you have to find ways to stay sharp and you hear that that's basically your job when you're in that situation your job is to stay ready to stay sharp whether it and that includes on ice off ice uh, and, and that's the physical part of it. I think that's the easy part. It's the mental part that's really, really tough in that situation. That's really tough for a backup goaltender um, is to stay sharp there and to motivate yourself every day to go out and be at the best. That So when that time comes, you get the tap on the shoulder. You're ready to go in, and you're ready to do your job. And, of course, any of the goalies that come in for the Golden Knights are under the unfortunate burden of being compared to Marc-Andre Fleury. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's a, hard to, to shake out compared to Marc-Andre. Uh, speaking of uh, Marc-Andre Fleury, this is a personality question. Uh, this is from at Rocky Florite on Twitter. And the question is, who are some of your favorite personalities on the team and why? And it's no secret that Marc-Andre Fleury uh, is not just a, an incredible personality for the Golden Knights, but he's among the great personalities that I've ever come across in hockey. He's awesome. You know, it's funny. You don't really get to, you know, we know him as, as best you can just from being around him and on a pretty much a daily basis. Much more than you ever would be. I mean, you know, we saw a lot of them over the years, be it, you know, Boston, Pittsburgh, whatever it was. And, you know, you heard a lot of good things about him. To me, what the best comment I heard regarding him was, remember, two years ago, we were still with the Penguins. There was a lot of discussion as to whether they were going to trade him at the deadline in 2017. They had Matt Murray. He had been the guy that carried them to the cup the year before. And somebody around the Penguins said to me, the day of the deadline, I said, why didn't they move him? You know, why would they, you know, Murray's the guy of the future. And they said it would be like throwing a grenade into the middle of that locker room at this point in the season. He's the most popular guy on the team. And I thought, well, that, that says a lot when you've got a team that, has had the success they've had, world-class players that they have, that was the guy that they felt there was no way at that point in time they could afford to trade. And this year, Dave, when the Golden Knights had that drubbing in Calgary, you know that the leadership, it's a conversation between Derek Anglin and Marc-Andre Fleury in terms of how to hold guys accountable. That's what Derek said the next day. 
how are we going to hold guys accountable? And last year, James Neal was in that picture as well. But when you've got Derek Anglin and Marc-Andre Fleury, those are the elder statesmen. Fleury just turned 34. Derek's 36. That's where the experience of pro hockey and for Fleury winning at the highest level, that's where it, it very much comes from in affecting the Golden Knights dressing room. So he's, yeah, I mean, he's right, you know, and obviously a guy like Nate Schmidt is – just great Always to be around. Smile. Always name Well, Nate Schmidt. Yeah, you know, he's, he's the energy he brings is awesome. It's, it's you know, incredible. Um, it really yeah. is. He, I mean, and it's you know, I hate to say it's rare, but it kind of is. Like, look, we all have good days, we all have crappy days. It seems like he doesn't have any. Or if we do, if he does, we don't see it. Like like a Brad Hunt, we don't. You know, I used to joke around when Joe Thornton was in Boston. There's no bad days on Planet Joe. And I think it's the same with the guys, some of the guys that we're, we're talking about, that they put an onus on good human beings when they put this team together, and they've pretty much been able to do that and, and land, you know, guys that are, that are good to be around, which is, which it, is always good. It, you know, like it's, it's really unfair. You know, I mean, like we just mentioned all those guys. We didn't mention Carrier. We didn't mention Belmar. We didn't mention Reeves. Yeah. Like, I love going and sitting to talk to Will Carrier. Oh, yeah. He's yeah. got a great sense of humor. He, like, looks around. and Loves talking like, fishing. He's like, Shane looks good today. <laughs> I don't know what. Nobody to, really says that. I don't, and then he'll pick some guy in the media. I don't know what that guy's doing. Like, Gary, go talk to him. And it, it's, it's, it's very, it's, it's very fun. He's got a real good spirit about himself. And uh, Reeves is uh, well. You've you've played having a guy like Reeves in your room is probably really good. Yeah, he's he's a big personality. And, and even guys, uh, and you saw we saw it. If anybody saw it yesterday, uh, you know William Carlson. Yep. He's, uh, you know, behind. Yeah. And that's the typical sweet humor. They're really quiet and shy, but every now and then they, they come up with a gem, right? That's, yep. uh, that's Running the camera. Yeah, running the cameras. Gary interviewed Nate Schmidt. Yes. And, uh, you know, they, they just have great personalities through it. I, I like Derek Engler just because uh, I, I like the old grumpy guy yeah. every now and then. <laughs> I've, known, I've, known, I've known Cody Eakin since he was, yeah, yeah. Since he was 14. You know, they just, they've got a real good to. cast of characters yeah. in Riley there. Riley Smith has the, the like, he doesn't subtle sense of humor. Did yeah. you, oh, he does. He, he's, uh, he's uh, you know, I know. Very the, dry. John and the Taves, I call Captain Serious in Chicago. I would give that title to uh, Riley Terrell, Smith. Yeah. That shorthanded goal last night, he made, he did everything to set up William Carlson. Carlson's cheering. When they come together in the pile, I look, Riley Smith didn't even crack a smile. <laughs> he just, just, just scored a shorthanded goal to put him back in the league, yeah. which was uh, eventually the game-winning goal. He did incredible work right from his own end to make it happen. And, and you see them come together, and it's all business. The dynamic on that line Smith, Carlson, and Jonathan Marsh. There's another guy. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I've known Jonathan a long time now, and he's very much the same guy, uh, and he's, you know, he's, he's he got He loves a to certain, be in everyone's ear. He, that's right. He's always yeah. got something to say, and the jabbing among the three of them uh, is is priceless. I mean, if we could mic up the three of those guys for a whole game and listen to their exchanges, oh, yeah. I'd, I'd pay for it. Maybe we see if we get Tyler Pico on the case. We can ask yeah, him. Let's if he, get Peaks can do that. He's got nothing to do. He's got a lot of extra time. He's underjobbed. Yep. Overworked and underpaid. Or underworked and overpaid. There you go. I can't. Which one? Dave, I think that's all that's for the it. mailbag. That's it for the mailbag. Is that it for the podcast, too? Shane? Just for the record, there's tons yeah. of more mailbag questions, but we're uh, we're kind of short. Send them, uh, we'll send out and get some more. Maybe we're we'll spend a little more time on it. Some more questions. If people can 
send him in next time. But uh, Dave got on his rant about players being overpaid. And yes, that Dave. I don't know if so that's it. So we, we, we've uh, scrubbed the uh, – you used to kind of keep track of who said what and it all the, the, the report. Duva's first star because first he, has to, he has to edit this. We've become more like Dan will be here till game time tomorrow editing in this mess. Especially yeah. Dosher yeah. stuff. Yeah. Hey, can hello. We, can we say yep. goodbye? Okay, that's stop? it, man. Okay, okay fine. <laughs> we just keep going. The, yeah. the show continues. We hit yeah. stop on the yeah, report. The show, right? Yeah, we the show, show never stops. Go. There you go, Dad. The I need Sheriff, a drink. Lawless sub guy named Dave Podcast. <laughs> I got to go to practice. Sheriff's headed right to the bar. Yeah. I'm right behind him. We'll talk to you next time on hashtag SLGND.